Today on the Amped Up to 11 podcast, Cam Ayala. Cam was thrust into the national spotlight as a contestant on The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise. Cam suffers from lymphedema and just one year ago lost his right leg above the knee to his condition. Cam has chosen to inspire others through his podcast, public speaking, advocacy, and spirituality. It is our pleasure to introduce Mr. Cam Ayala. Hello, Mr. Cam Ayala. Good to see you, my man. You too, Rick. It's been a minute. Yes, it has. It has actually been a year. This is quite monumentous on the Amped Up 211 podcast because... Kamayala, you are our first revisited guest ever, and this is kind of cool because I've never done an interview or a re-interview, let's call it, where we are able to circle back, as they say. People are using that a lot in the professional world now. It's like everyone is using it. It's kind of like when people were using the word ping all the time. I'll ping you back. Now it's I'll circle back. But anyway, we're circling back a year later, which is pretty extraordinary to have an opportunity to talk to you a year into this amputee journey. You've been a lifetime, uh, you know, uh, a lifetime patient, lymphedema patient uh, with a serious condition. So you're no stranger to chronic disease and everything that goes with um that struggle, let's call it, but you are a new amputee, relatively speaking. Now, what I will say, when I think new amputee, looking at your Instagram, looking at your socials, you don't appear as if you are a new amputee. And what I mean by that is you're doing some pretty extraordinary things these days, which I think is what prompted me to call you Whenever I see someone progressing as quickly as you are in this sort of vast amputee space, limb loss, limb difference space, when someone is a year into this and they are doing the high-functioning things that someone like yourself is doing, I'm, my, my curiosity uh, radar goes off big time. I mean, just... Hey, it just starts pinging, right? And I've been watching you, following you, as many of us have. And given that you're an above-the-knee amputee, that in itself presents a tremendous amount of issues, challenges. Given that you are a, uh, you suffer from lymphedema in your limb as well presents problems, challenges. So I think where we're, I would like to sort of kick things off today, and I know we've only got an hour with you, is in terms of your progress and the rapid nature of it, what would you say has been the motivating factor? What is it that is driving you in terms of your your very, very accelerated rate of progress. Yeah. Um, first off, thanks, man, for the encouragement. Um, 
really does mean a lot because uh, yesterday uh, was the official one-year anniversary of the amputation. And so as I was going through and uh, kind of making my little Instagram reel, it was very nostalgic. Um, and, you know, there's parts of the journey, as I'm sure we'll get into, that's not super easy, um, just like any athlete or really any human being who's going through uh, any type of training, recovery, or just maintenance of whatever their quality of life is. Um, has not been easy. And, and that's why I really appreciate conversations like this, Rick, where I can be real raw and vulnerable and, and talk about the good, the bad and the ugly of of my progress. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, I think one of my biggest challenges of of the whole recovery, as you kind of alluded to a few moments ago, was was the lymphedema. Um, the, the reason why that was the biggest challenge is because right before I had the amp- the amputation, which was planned, I still went to several different specialists to basically kind of get their green light and approval to, to do the amputation that it was actually going to be safe. And the thing that was pretty unsettling is that when I went up to um, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, which the acronym is CHOP, which is kind of ironic that I wow. went to CHOP right before they chopped my leg off. Um, one of the top specialists there, who's like one of the global specialists in lymphedema, when he was looking at some of my imaging, he said that he hadn't seen a patient that presented like me before. Mm-hmm. And so he'd been doing this for over 20 years. And so my big question to him was, I said, okay, well, you know, obviously I'm doing this amputation because I've had several bouts of osteomyelitis, which is chronic bone infection. Um, and I know that this amputation is not going to cure my lymphedema. I know it doesn't just go away, that there will be some chronic swelling in the residual limb. What kind of issues can we maybe predict or do I need to be mindful of as I'm going through this recovery process? And he didn't have a clear answer. And Mm. so that was three days before I was getting my leg amputated. And this was supposed to be the top specialist in that field. So Honestly, like I, pun intended, went out on a limb and it was, it was really just an act of faith. I, I prayed a lot about it. Um, I spoke to several other um, above knee amputees about three weeks before the surgery. So they kind of gave me peace of mind just with um, kind of what to expect. So, you know, I encourage anyone who's listening who may have been given the prognosis of uh, amputation that it's something that you're about to face. You know, there's a lot of great resources like Amputee Coalition. Um, there's peer supports uh, probably in your local communities and even listening to past episodes that, that Rick and his team have put together here to, you know, get some information but inspiration that your life does not end because you lose, uh, you know, a limb or you're born without a limb. Um, but, you know, the, the other part of the question is kind of what has motivated me to kind of have such a quote unquote or relatively quick recovery um, for me, and, and when we last spoke, uh, Rick, it was about a month after my surgery. And at that time, I didn't even have my prosthetic yet. I was still moving around on my forearm crutches. So I hadn't even gone through the prosthetic fitting process yet. Because at that time, my residual limb uh, wound was still healing. Yeah. And for me, and I know this is common um, with a lot of amputees is that post operative phantom pain and phantom sensation. For me, what I personally notice with my body is anytime I was laid up in bed, my phantom pains would be worse. So what got me out of that was about two weeks post-op, I went back to my CrossFit gym and I started doing CrossFit again. Now, bear in mind, I had my trainer there and we were very careful about movements, right? Because, you know, when you still have an open wound, 
Um, you know, you got to be careful with sweating and skincare. And last thing you want to do is, you know, lose your balance on your crutches and go straight down on your residual limb because that is not fun. Yep. So for me, it was movement allowed me to kind of have mind over matter. And that actually helped my lymphedema and my circulation, which then ultimately expedited the wound healing, which then got me into the process of getting my first test socket for my prosthetic. No, it's a really, it's a really good point because I personally find, you know, I'm six years in at this point and I've, I've had a few, my, my, my current prosthetist has mentioned that I'm, I'm reaching a, a, a pretty good plateau at this point in terms of the maturity of my limb. And what that, what I mean by that is he has told me if, if you don't gain weight, if you stay, if your weight stays stable, if you stay as active as you are now, your residual limb really at this point moving forward is not going to change all that much. You know, you're, you're, you're really getting down to what it's going to be for a longer period of time. Because when you first start this amputee path journey, whatever we want to call it, your residual limb, obviously, post-op is very large. It's very sort of swollen. There, there's a lot of reconstruction that's happening inside. And mm -hmm. yes, you have an incision to manage. You're just starting to get a peek into things like skincare, how perspiration affects, you know, your residual limb. Um, that was another big uh sort of concern I had when I first started was, is my residual limb always going to sweat this much? Yeah. You know, because I remember the first time getting into a socket that I considered somewhat, not comfortable, but somewhat comfortable and tolerable, <laughs> tolerable, exactly. Tolerable. I could kind of start getting around, walking, traversing stairs, things like that. And I literally remember I was in Oklahoma at the time in the summer. I literally, literally remember going to this nature preserve, stopping at a bench, sitting down and pouring literally, literally a quart of like fluid out of my liner and thinking, holy shit. How am I going to deal with this? I mean, I, in my mind, okay, all these things are firing like, how am I going to work? Like, I'm going to go to work and like, excuse me, I need to go dump out, you know, my sweat. I mean, like, what is happening right now? And fortunately, what happens over time is your limb makes the adjustments. Your limb figures out, this is this is what we're doing now. Let's let's call it. It sort of has its own little mind, you know, of its own. And you make these adjustments, and eventually, uh, I'm to a point now where unless I'm in the summer heat and I'm really pushing myself, I mean, really, really pushing myself, you know, uh, perspiration, moisture management. It's all tolerable, easy to kind of manage now. And on a typical workday where I'm just doing everyday movements, like walking, um, you know, standing, just, you know, just doing business, so to speak, there's no issue at all. Meaning whatever particular, uh, you know, limb sock I'm wearing, 
between my residual limb and my and my gel liner pretty much takes care of things. But I know in the beginning phases, there is a lot of unknowns. You're not really sure what your limb's gonna do. Now, I did notice in one of your videos that you were employing the use of an adjustable. Um, is that something you're still doing right now? Because for me, oh, there it is. Okay. Yep. Adjustable socket. Exactly. Very nice. Yep. So again, I'm six years into this. I am in a rigid socket now. So no adjustability. Um, every once in a while, I'll have to add a, a, a literally a single ply sock to, mm -hmm. to, to kind of manage my, let's call it my shrinkage. Um, but when I first came to this, the only thing that worked for me, like yourself at the moment, was an adjustable. So having an adjustable socket allowed me to deal with the highs and lows in, ter in terms of fluid management. And it was a lifesaver. I mean, it really provided me with the adjustability and the comfortable fit that I needed in order to get through the day. Because we all know that our limb, the state of our limb when we wake up in the morning is not what it is midday, is certainly not what it is at the end of the day. And dependent upon our activity levels, whether we're just working, going about our business, or we decide to do a workout somewhere in there, um, can tremendously affect those outcomes. So the adjustable, obviously, you know, huge game changer for me. Um, what would you say getting into the first version of, let's say, a prep socket or the first piece of technology that you were like, okay, this is it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing this now. What would you, would you say were some of the biggest surprises for you as far as fit, feel, everything? I mean, what was that experience like for you? Yeah. Um, so first off, to kind of echo so many things that you just said there, like I remember as well when I had um, really my first uh, socket and I had the liner on and I went into my CrossFit gym like the first time I had it, like literally the first day, like before even going to physical therapy, just because I'm, I'm stubborn like that. I'm like, okay, I got the balance. I can figure this out. So I'm doing like bear crawls and looking like a drunk baby deer on ice. It wasn't pretty, but man, I got the job done. But when I got home, and bear in mind, this is in Houston, Texas, very hot Ooh. and humid. So you have the environmental elements too. And I was only, you know, at that point, maybe three and a half months post-op. And same thing, I took my, my socket off. And as soon as I took that liner out, it was like a ton of, of, of sweat and fluid. So, and the same thing, you know, even now with, um, with the summertime here mm -hmm. and, me being pretty active, um, my body has adjusted. So I don't sweat nearly as much in the residual limb. So I want to definitely offer that hope to any listeners who've kind of experienced what Rick and I have, have gone through in the early stages of it. So that's a good thing. Um, and the skincare part is so important. There's a lot of great products out there beyond just traditional soap that you can use to keep the liner clean and your, your skin clean. Because the last thing you want is to have some sort of pressure ulcer or any type of folliculitis or any other bacterial infections. Because ultimately, when that happens, I don't care how strong you are or how much you think you have it under control. 
I mean, that can turn septic and that could be pretty threatening um, for your, for your overall well-being. So be really smart about the skincare. Now for me, uh, my very first socket was pretty big and bulky and it was with the lanyard. So you basically just run the strap through and it Velcros on. And to Rick's point earlier, yeah, I mean, there is so much fluctuation of the size of your residual limb, especially when you're, when you're post-op. And then for me, having lymphedema, that's just a whole nother layer of complexity because there's already so much fluid fluctuation with the swelling, with the management of the swelling. And, you know, fortunately with the liners, the liners that I wear and that most amputees wear, the compression gradient of that liner is very similar to the same compression Mm -hmm. gradient I was wearing in my traditional compression garment that I had before the amputation. So, the residual limbs getting good compression that way. Now, my challenge is, um, again, living in Houston where it's very hot and humid, me being active and having the lymphedema, like the traditional hard socket was not comfortable for me at all, which is why, you know, we had to do this adjustable one so the plastic can, you know, uh, be adjusted as as needed. I can tighten it and loosen it. But there's even going to come a time, um, like Rick has already experienced, where this particular one will plateau and I'll have to get fitted again. And I never really even thought about weight management in the whole equation of, of the recovery. But I mean, that's, that's a great point because, you know, think about like if it's, you know, a pair of blue jeans, right? If you gain a whole bunch of weight, those pants aren't going to fit you. Same thing with your prosthetic and prosthetics are way more expensive yep. than a nice pair of, you know, slacks or pants. So exactly. it's really important to kind of have that routine and, you know, talk with your primary care doctor, nutritionist, physical therapist, whoever's on your care team and determine what a healthy weight is for you and your age and your body type. And managing that was only going to give you um, sustainability in your mobility. So, um, you know, I haven't got to that plateau point yet, but I think, you know, what everyone's going to experience is that those plateaus will actually change over time. Um, And it's just so important to take care of your sound leg too. Uh, I see so many things on Instagram where there's these Paralympians hopping around on one leg and like it's something to be proud of. It's like, I get it. Like, you know, you want to be seen as normal, but man, like when you screw up your sound leg, you're kind of SOL. And so anybody who's watching, avoid hopping at all costs, use your forearm crutches or whatever mobility assist you have when you don't have your prosthetic on, because it is not worth it in the long run to screw up the cartilage and the ligaments and the tendons and everything in your sound leg. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I am very, uh, very prone to using adaptive, uh, you know, um, devices, uh, transitional devices, things to get me when my leg is off and I'm at rest, let's call it, uh, things to get me to the bathroom, things to get me back in bed. Um, very, very adverse to doing a lot of hopping. Um, not only because I worry about, like you said, my sound leg, my knee, my ankle, but also, um, I worry about a fall, because uh, yep. we all know that when an amputee takes a fall, and I practiced in in physical therapy how to fall, you know that you right you 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 pull pull your residual all your instincts speak differently because you want to stick that residual limb out to break your fall, but the training is pull it to your knee and turn your body and fall on your side so that you don't damage your residual limb. So I'm always worried about a fall. That's, that's a big thing. And I, you know, I just wanted to say to you, I, how much I appreciate you sharing 
so much of those experiences through social media because I have watched your progress. I have seen the, you know, the awkward crawl in the gym and, you know, um, the, the, you know, the various challenges that you've put yourself through. And I will say, you know, Cam, I'm hoping you're comfortable, you know, sharing those things. I know for a lot of us that, that that's kind of a hard thing to do because we worry about what do I look like? Is it awkward? What, you know, all of it, there's such a psychological component to all of this too. But I, I very much appreciate what you bring to this table. And also what I wanted to say in that is, man, like, I'm watching you like run for the first time and I'm thinking, damn, like this guy, he just, he adapts. He just adapts. He gets it. You know, his body is making those adjustments like very quickly. And you can say, well, you know, I didn't film myself falling down. Um, but at the same time, I, I can tell just because I'm, I'm in that experience as, as well myself, um, I'm trying to run for the first time. and you know, I wasn't a running kind of person when, <laughs> when I had my leg, right? So I wasn't prone or apt to jog or when I went on a treadmill, I walked. I wasn't one of those runner type of people. But, you know, my girlfriend has inspired me to, because she is a runner, to, to, to start to try and to build slowly, you know, take it in baby steps, you know jog a block, you know, get that down, get comfortable with that. Then two, then four, then five, you know, just build on it just like you would anything else because there is that relearning process. It's, I always look at it like we are rewiring our brain to mm -hmm. understand how to do things differently now. Now, would you say, because obviously you are an active guy, um, you know, before all this happened, your lymphedema created a lot of challenges in that active space for you. Would you, how would you compare yourself in terms of your physicality and your fitness now to back then? Because I look at you now and I'm not saying you weren't in shape, like let's say pre-bachelorette, but you kind of look like you're more fit now than you were back then. Am I right? You are right. Okay. And, um, and, and thanks again, man, for the encouragement, because so uh, I like to to say that what the bachelorette did do for me was, um, uh, I guess, opposite of Pink Floyd, I have become uncomfortably numb, just in the <laughs> sense of like, when you make an ass out of yourself in front of 8 million people, like at that point, you don't care anymore, right? And so the reason why I, I found it to be so important to document the entire journey is because I know that there's going to be other amputees or people with limb difference who at some point may have a friend or, you know, a family member or just themselves, you know, going through the social media rabbit holes and they may come across my profile. And I want them to see that it's okay that you don't have the perfect form right out the gate. It's okay to fall. It's okay to have those challenging seasons or days or months out of the journey because that's where growth happens, right? Growth happens from an uncomfortable place. Yeah. And um, 
you know, for, for me also by doing that, there are a lot of amazing athletes in the adaptive uh, community who will see that and they'll send me a DM or, uh, they'll, uh, meet me at other events like challenge athletes, foundations, running clinics, or any other of the, um, nonprofits that I volunteer at. Well, they'll come up and just give me some pointers and they're so, so willing to help. And I appreciate that. Like prime example, you know, uh, when I first got my running blade, I had a sports knee as well. And I thought that was going to make it a lot easier, but I actually had, um, a triathlete tell me at a running club last week, Hey man, um, maybe try, having your prosthesis take the running knee off and just have it to where your blade connects directly into your socket and try the swing versus where you kick your leg out mm. because I did have a pretty gnarly fall about a week and a half ago with the sports knee. Mm. Fortunately, I didn't have any major injury from it, but you know, like you're saying, when, when you're, when you're adapting to me, it's not like riding a bike all over again because you have that muscle memory. Like right now, when I've been wearing this microprocessor everyday leg, this thing is about, I don't know, maybe 15 to 17 pounds. And then you transition to this, which is about like six or seven pounds. That's the equivalent of like wearing a pretty heavy ankle weight for 11 months. And then one day you take it off and then you put this on. So yeah, there's going to be some balance challenges there. And I guess what really did help me um, as far as just the recovery and being able to kind of like get some of those things quicker than the average person was all of the prehab that I did leading up to the amputation, meaning I had my personal trainer do a lot of uh, core exercises, upper body stuff. And like the TRX bands, those are great because you can literally like even before you have your amputation, I wasn't putting any weight on my right uh, leg, which was about to be amputated. I would focus on my sound leg mm. and get the balance so I could properly balance on my sound leg. So that way, when I did go through the surgery and I didn't have my prosthetic yet, I felt more confident and comfortable. So when the prosthetic did come on, it's just like, okay, well, now I, I feel complete now. And now it's just a matter of trying to get the walking gait, making sure my hip flexors are stretched out properly and taking all those tips and tricks that I got from my physical therapist and then other amputees who have been kind enough to kind of guide me along the way. Yeah, all of that is is so just so incredibly helpful um, to anyone that's listening in and has been following you because I feel that becoming an amputee really uh, changed me in the sense that I became much more in tune with my body, what my body does, what my body needs, and I'm much more conscientious about how I treat myself, right? So whether that's, you know, the way I eat, the way I work out, um, the amount of stress, stressors that I will put into my life, um, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about my own personal orbit and who I will allow into that space. And knowing that so much of my success as a person, but as a subcategory, an amputee is dependent on these particular factors. Because like yourself, I'm much more uh, fit now than I was before I had my amputation. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was not, so, not, not someone who was um, necessarily abusing myself. However, uh, finding 
work-life balance, um, enjoying, you know, activities that were more driven by living an active lifestyle, let's call it. To me, working out pre, you know, pre-amputation was kind of like a chore. It mm-hmm. was something I did begrudgingly, and I would, I would tend to go on little kicks, like, oh, I'm, I was one of those typical New Year's resolution guys, right? I yeah. was the guy who was getting the gym membership on January first, hitting the gym for you know four, six, maybe eight weeks. And then everything would kind of trail off, right? Mm-hmm. And then the holidays would roll around and I'd be like, oh, no, I, you know, I ate too much. And, you know, now I got to go back, you know, and get myself together. Whereas I think as an amputee, for any of this to work, okay, this amputee lifestyle, if you want to call it, for any of this to work in harmony, it's, it's really, truly a way of life the way you live, the way you approach things. Um, it's it's creating good, solid connections with your community, okay? But but prioritizing yourself and your well-being, really using yourself as like, I'm my own project. I'm a work in progress. It, everything is constantly changing. My limb is changing, but I'm working on this so that I can perform at my best level at all times, whether that's working, playing, my relationships, my friendships, all of that, and wanting to bring my best self to that requires a lot of attention. And becoming an amputee kind of, for me, put all of that, that lens in focus. Like, okay, if I'm going to make this work and not just, you know, be in a wheelchair, I've really got to change my lifestyle, the way in Mm -hmm. which I approach my life. And so much of wanting to give back to the community like you do as well, thank you so much, is um, part of that journey of saying, you know, how can I bring these stories to an audience, share them with people? And I mean, you know this because you get the DMs like I do that are very, very, um, you know, thankful and grateful. And I so appreciate you know, what you bring to this community and you've inspired me and all that other stuff that people say um, that makes it all worth it. You said something just a minute ago. um, You said something along the lines of made an ass out of yourself. Okay. Um, We're going to have to visit just for a moment, if it's okay, um, your experience on the bachelorette. And I, I, I'm not, people can go back and, and view that episode. We did a deep dive on the bachelorette on bachelor in paradise. Um, we, we, we've gone through all of that. So I'm not looking to sort of, you know, rehash all of those, those, those key points. However, I, I would want to at least have you respond to this, which is, where are you at with all that now? I mean, you, you've come so far in your life, your life's direction, mm-hmm. um, physically, spiritually. Uh, you're, you, you, you certainly look like a different person, right? Where are you at? Where is Cam at when he looks back at that 
And, you know, what does that represent in your life now? Yeah, you know, I really, it's just, it's just a chapter, right? It's a chapter in my life of my whole life story. It's not the, uh, you know, title of my life story. It's definitely not the conclusion. And, you know, any good story is going to have a, a test, right? Or as they say, every testimony starts with a test. And uh, every message starts with a mess, right? And so <laughs> I, I feel like for for that, um, I was a very different young man there. I didn't have a relationship with Christ. Um, I was so focused on the affirmations from other people. And I just heard this term about three days ago, listening to this other podcast, where there's this whole uh, thing called affirmation addiction. And one of my love language, in fact, my leading love language is words of affirmation. And when you've been in a public uh, spotlight, if you will, and you know you put your private life on public, right? Like we, I feel like, especially with my generation, we're so caught up in the affirmations from complete strangers. And the fact of the matter, and this is what I've really learned, not just from the reality TV uh, life after that, but mostly from my amputation. And you kind of talked about this, about kind of selecting who is allowed in your life. I don't care about the opinions of people who don't have relational equity, meaning I don't care about people who've actually invested in my life with me, who've been on this journey with me, who have my best interests in, in mind, who've been my, you know, quote unquote, ride or dies. And so I think when, when people start focusing on the things that they can control, which is your attitude and your effort and your faith, then everything else kind of becomes, you know, meaningless or insignificant. Now, I'm also really blessed that I did have that opportunity with The Bachelorette because it did have such a wide reach. It did give me a platform. And I feel that when life or when God gives you a platform, you have the opportunity, you have the, uh, in my opinion, the obligation and the honor to make the best out of it. I mean, this world is already so divided. There's already so much negativity on social media. I wanted it to be a place of uh, vulnerability, honesty, and hopefully inspiration, and not just for my own gratitude, right? And we all kind of get the dopamines and we get the notifications and the followers and all that, but I just wanted to serve as a beacon of hope for those who were at rock bottom like I was, who you know, lose a limb and they lose their identity. They lose their hope. They lose their motivation. They don't have purpose anymore. But I'm a firm believer that God is going to take me farther with one leg than he could have when I had both legs. And it was very humbling for me to be brought down to that point where I didn't have mobility for the first you know, month or two post-amputation. Post, uh, and I think really what the lymphedema part of the journey taught me at age 11 is when I had my first major surgery. When you have intermittent mobility, you learn to really appreciate those days when you don't have the pain or the days when you can walk a little bit further or the days when you can play sports or do whatever hobbies or uh, functionality that makes you feel uh, alive. Yeah. And I think what words of encouragement I really want to give to the people with limb loss or limb difference is that you're basically getting a second lease on life. Like you'll appreciate mobility more than any able-bodied person because you know what it's like to not have it. And I think that's what really kicked in for you, Rick, as part of your journey is you realize if I don't take care of the rest of myself, I won't be able to use my prosthetic. I won't be able to do basic things like going to check my mail. But yeah. when you have the ability to take that ownership of your life and make a difference for other people, you start saying yes to things like 
going to Ukraine like I did four months after my amputation. And then in this September, I'm going to be climbing a mountain in uh, Ecuador with several other amputees for awesome. a nonprofit called Range of Motion Project. If I was able-bodied, I would have never had that opportunity, nor would I even said, yeah. But it's really just kind of having that faith over fear mentality and realizing that it's not about your limitations. It's really living that life of no limits and testing those limits and knowing that if you do it in a safe way, you're going to be that much stronger when you get to the other side of the uncomfortability of, of your journey. Do you, do you feel like your faith is sort of foundational in all of that? Like, is that sort of the, you know, kind of like the rock that you stand upon that gives you, uh, you know, you talk about affirmation. I'm a big believer in affirmation. I'm a big believer in what's referred to as designing your life. Uh, taking control. Um, when someone visualizes something and they see it and they see themselves in that, that's cer certainly a beautiful thought. But for me, it's making that happen for myself, becoming the power that, you know, traverses the obstacles that are holding me back from that goal. So I, I, I see you as this, having this strength about you in your faith, and it's, it's certainly um, inspiring, but I, you know, I'm interested and I'm sure many people, because it, it is somewhat personal for a lot of people. Sure. Um, I'm sure there's many people listening right now that would, would want to, to know or hear you articulate what that means to you. Absolutely. And you know, part of my approach to, I guess, ministry, if you will, like, I don't like to get super gospel. There's, there's, you know, a lot of Christian believers who are very evangelical. And that's just not my style. That's not a gift that that God has given me. And I feel that for me to connect with people genuinely, I kind of have to meet them where they're at. And I don't, condemn people. I have friends from all different lifestyles, whether they're whatever gender identity, whatever religious or non-religious belief. But for me, I just kind of like sharing my testimony in the sense that before my amputation and before I really was strong in my faith, I tried to do things on my own accord. Like I tried to rely on my own just strength as a man to, you know, push through physical therapy, to fight through the physical pain. And what I have found is when I did that, I would burn out and I couldn't do it on my own. And, you know, I have a lot of friends and just I know that in, in AA, for example, um, one of the things that they teach you in AA is, you know, you don't have to believe uh, in a certain, you know, denomination of religion, but you have to believe in a power outside and higher than yourself. Because as human beings, we only have a certain capacity and we are weak. So when I read scripture, and I won't get super biblical here, but one of my favorite passages is when I am weak, he is strong. So when I was really at rock bottom, uh, even before the amputation, my strength was in surrender. I just surrendered to God. I said, look, I've tried. I can't do this on my own. I'm not happy. I'm depressed. I can't find success in relationships and career. God, if you're real, if you're really out there, like I, I'm giving you the keys to the car and I will be obedient. And I will go on a path that you feel is best for your kingdom. And so what does that look like? So, you know, obviously, like 
I, I really appreciate what you were saying too about like you definitely have to take ownership, right? It's not like you just become a Christian or whatever you know denomination or faith that you believe in and everything sunshine and rainbows. It's very difficult to be a believer, especially in this day and age where you can be canceled or you know people who don't agree with you want to just like throw you away. And that's not how I want to be perceived. I want to be perceived as someone who loves everybody and can share my experience. And for me. It is the combination of that surrender, but the obedience and also taking ownership, right? Like God gives us the conscious, like he gives you the ability to accept him or not to accept him. And if you accept him, you have to do these things. Uh, and by being obedient to those things, my life has just been enriched. I've been able to recover uh, faster. I've been able to do things that I wasn't able to physically do before. Um, but again, that comes with just also humbling yourself too, um, and, and doing all of the things that you know are going to put you in a position to enrich not only your life, but the lives of other people. And that's just having a servitude's mind. If we're talking about perceptions, and I see you as this driving force in the normalization of amputees, which I appreciate because so much of my purposes, especially in, the, in doing the podcast and, and getting these messages out there, is I want our audience to see amputees of all sizes, of all shapes, all backgrounds, all fitness levels, people that are doing um, great things professionally, things people that are doing great things artistically. And I, I, I think the normalization piece is, is super important to me, um, especially as an amputee, when someone sees me, certainly they see something different. And that's okay. We are different. There is something about us that is different. Totally. Which is fine. I'm cool with that. But I also feel pretty strongly that just like any other difference that we have, and you just said it yourself in terms of loving each other, no matter how we identify, who we, who's our God, what we do, you know, all of those things we still have the ability to care for each other and see and see each other as humans and we can be civil and and engage in this life experience together and draw energy and power from each other so when you think about the outside world and perceptions let's say mm -hmm. because you put yourself out there and i want to talk a little bit about you know what your what you know your Instagram looks like, and some of the things you're doing as an amputee, and now you're sort of moving into this, you know, very sort of like um, fashionable kind of model type phase two of this experience, which is a great fit for you. But how how do you want those perceptions to sort of be to the outside world? What what is it that you feel you're trying to project? Yeah, um, great question. And, you know, it really starts with um, my niece. My niece just turned two, right? So it is so adorable when I go over to my sister's house. Like, she is so curious with my prosthetic. And she, she can only say a couple words, but she knows how to say leg. She's like, leg. So when she sees my prosthetic, she points at it and she identifies in her young developmental brain, leg. And when you're in a grocery store or out in public, the most curious people oftentimes are children and yep. they don't have filters. They're going to point, they're going to go, mommy, look at that. And 
I actually, you know, when I was first going through, I'd say the first, you know, month or two in the journey, I was a little bit kind of self-conscious and would try to avoid that. But now I embrace those moments because I know they're just curious and it's a great opportunity to educate and to normalize it. So if I'm in a public setting and I hear or see a little kid pointing and, you know, their parent or guardians with them and I have a little bit of time, I'll say, hey, do you mind if I, you know, show them and I'll do my little spinner trick and like, you know, <laughs> say it's my robot leg. You know, I, I say I'm, I'm part Iron Man, you know, kind of make it like a superhero. And yeah. that's what I love about my brother, James Dixon, who I know you've interviewed before. Yep. Um, he, he calls himself Superman is for real. Right. And so I, I think, you know, we as amputees, we don't necessarily want special treatment. We no. don't want all these accommodations other than ADA accommodations, which we are in our right to have. That's yes. a whole nother episode we could talk <laughs> about. But I really think it's just normalizing it. Guess what? I may not have both legs, but I can still walk. I can still do athletics and I still have my same heart. My heart didn't change, right? I'm still Cam Ayala. Uh, but now I go by Camp UT or Lieutenant Cam. So there's some fun you can have with it, a little UT. bit of levity. But That's awesome. I think, um, normalizing it as much as you can. Um, yeah. and, and also understanding that every individual is going to have a different experience. Not everyone's going to be an extrovert like Rick and I, right? So well, maybe I'm, it's I'm, I'm an introvert. Extroverts like us I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm an introvert that learned how to be an extrovert. I'm in sales, okay. I'm in sales and marketing. and I am painfully shy around people. I, mm. I avoid crowds. I avoid uh, cocktail parties, business events, but it's a skill set, you know, and it's something, it's like a muscle. You can develop it and you can appear as if you're really, really a natural when it comes to those things. In the spirit of what you're talking about, I want to talk about relationships, okay? Mm. For a lot, of amputees, dating, relationships. I saw you smile there. Um, this is daunting. Okay. I'll, you know, I've been pretty transparent about this myself, you know, coming, um, coming out of a divorce, uh, after my amputation, entering the dating pool. Okay. Hold on. Mm -hmm. My, I feel like my, uh, my headphones are pulling me. Um, going back into the dating pool, and especially given my age, you know, I mean, I'm not a young pup anymore. I'm 55. I'm an amputee. I mean, honestly, th that's a that's a tricky equation. So I come to this thinking, is this something that I just broadcast right away? Do you hide this and then reveal it at a later point? I'm asked this all the time. People will say, well, gosh, you know, you, you seem to transition very, very well. You're in a committed relationship now. You seem like your life is, is full of love and support. And, and you obviously found someone that, you know, just totally appreciates you and, and who you are. It's not that easy, okay? This is not, this is not something that people with our differences, our limb loss, our limb difference, this isn't a a a buffet that we're we're necessarily welcome uh to attend. So, I was interested to get your perspective on 
you know, dating life and especially given your history, <laughs> you know, your past life, your chapter. I think that's yeah, a great yeah. that's a great way to put it, especially given that chapter of your novel, um, what you've been through in the, in that space. Uh, where are you at with all that right now? Ooh, that's always a fun question. Um, <laughs> and I am by no means a, a dating or relationship expert. But what I have learned um, so far is that it's going to be different for every individual. Um, for me, uh, it, I was very much in my head, um, kind of like a lot of people, are, even people who are generally pretty confident um, in, in the dating world or in relationships. And for me, it was just getting over my own head. I mean, body dysmorphia is a real thing. I mean, I could be jacked from the head down to my waist. And then, you know, I look down at my residual limb and I feel, oh, I'm incomplete. Uh, who's going to find me physically attractive? But what I've found um, and I'm still finding is that honestly, like having something like an amputation or, or limb difference is honestly like one of the best filters you could have in the sense that it's going to filter out the uh, shallow vein people who you don't want to be with anyway, yeah. right? And what I hopeful for anybody who is, you know, single or has aspirations of, you know, relationships, marriage, families, etc., is that your experience makes you that much more interesting and makes you that much more compassionate for others. Therefore, you will attract a compassionate person who doesn't see your limb loss or your limb difference as a burden to them, but rather a blessing that you can, you know, like I said, educate children, inspire other people who are going through that same journey. And I think that is going to attract the right woman that God has set aside for me all along. But really, it's me just kind of getting out of my own head. Uh, I did uh, date after the amputation, um, I want to say about four or five months afterwards. And I was taking things like very slow, because, you know, I wanted to make sure that you know, the, the women that I dated in those seasons were there for the right reasons, not to use bachelor vernacular, but like <laughs> you kind of have to filter through yeah. um, and, and know that they're not just, you know, seeing a, a damsel or a, a camsel in distress and just yeah. see me as a project. Um, but I think really, it, and this is so cliche, but it really does ring true is you really have to love yourself first before you can receive love from others. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at right now is the self love part and uh, pouring out love to other people. And I think that in that ecosystem, in that part of the journey, I'll meet the right person. And um, some people are very confident about putting it out there on the first date. Or for me, if, if you know, I happen to, to meet somebody, I'm wearing shorts all the time, so I can't really hide it. And <laughs> I, I think it's a great conversation piece because yeah. eventually they're going to see it. So I, again, kind of like to put it front and center. And, you know, I feel like that will either uh, have the right person gravitate towards me and the wrong people away from me. So again, it's, it's different for the individual, but that's what I've experienced so far is not to be ashamed of it. And just because you don't have all four limbs does not mean you're not a complete person and worthy and capable of love. I agree. I, I would say the, the idea of it creates a, uh, you know, a very, very, very appropriate filter, I think is a great way to put it because it does really right off the bat um, without having to go through, you know, the weeds, so to speak, it, it just gets rid of a lot of negative energy right away. So it's, you know, in the dating world, which has vastly changed, you know, I came back to it later in life, 
you know, and and had been a married guy for for many many years. So suddenly being sort of plopped into this online kind of concept was just to be quite honest, it's bizarre. And one of the connection points that I I had with my girlfriend um initially when we met was just how sharing those war stories, how bizarre those experiences were. And you know, uh, she, she was a little smarter than me. She, she would actually, uh, take screenshots of things that she thought were just outrageous. So she was able to document like Mm -hmm. everything that she had experienced, you know, somewhat. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't that savvy. Usually if I saw something strange, I was just like, and I just like swiped by it. Like, I don't know what that was, (laughs) but she was pretty good about documenting things. And, um, she's in medical, in the medical field, not, not having nothing to do with, um, prosthetics or limb loss. So she came to our relationship just with a very, very, uh, natural curiosity about mm-hmm. my condition. You know, what, you know, what does a prosthesis do? How does that feel? Oh, what, you know, you know, what does your limb look like? It, 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 there was no uh, stigma. There was mm-hmm. no taboo. It was just, oh, wow. It, it was very almost like in a way kind of clinical, like, wow, this is really fascinating to me. And that sort of got us over that hump almost like right away. So I was yeah. very fortunate that that was the case. You know, um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, you know, at this particular point in time, if you were going to sort of give us a list of your immediate goals, because you, I mean, you've come so far in such a short amount of time. You know, I, I, I talk to amputees that, you know, they're in year two, three, four. I mean, they're not even mobile yet. And mm-hmm. everyone has to move at their own pace. It takes time to find the right team, as we say the right people and certainly the right equipment to make yep. it all happen. So there's a lot of outside forces that we're managing to try to get totally. to get the right cocktail, let's call it, because it's all about the recipe. Okay, mm-hmm. do I have the right liner? Do I have the right skincare? Oh, do I have the right prosthetist? Is this socket right for me? Is this knee right for me? Is this foot right for me? You know, let me try a little bit here. Try a little bit. It's it's just this huge exercise in trial and error. So right now, what would you say are some of the things that you're trying to accomplish? I'd say really it's, um, it's probably on the, the emotional and spiritual side of things, because I know that my generation is very gung ho on instant gratification. And I feel like when you're going through this journey, it is a pretty, important balance you have of patience allowing your body to heal but then setting forth goals that give you something to work towards so like for example um when i said yes a month and a half ago to do this mountain climb in ecuador it's a nineteen thousand foot mountain climb and i've never done anything remotely close to that so that was me just saying yep i'm gonna do it but i also have to put in the work 
yeah. uh, along the way leading up to the end of September. So that means that, you know, if I start to have a sore on my residual limb, as much as I want to stay on track with that training schedule, if I have to take a day or two off to allow my skin to heal, that's going to be very important for me. So, you know, how does that translate to, to other people? You know, maybe, you know, like you were saying, there's some individuals who are a year, two years out and they're not even mobile yet. Um, be patient, but you still have to kind of find that balance of pushing yourself. Yeah. Nobody's going to fight harder for you than you. You have to be your own advocate. And part of that means uh, being open-minded and curious to trying different prosthesis, trying different prosthetists. Not all of them are great, unfortunately, just like doctors and lawyers and yep. cops. They're not all great. And there's some great ones and there's some not so great ones. So you have to try to discern of when is it time to walk away or limp away or roll away or whatever you got to do to find another option. Yep. Um, it is this constant trial and error and there is growth in the trial and error. And if there's an error, that's okay. Listen to your body and, and, you know, kind of do everything in your power to move on and, you know, pivot. That's, that's the most important thing that I've learned is just the ability to pivot yeah. and, uh, and just keep fighting forward as, as cliche as that sounds. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's great advice. And um, I want people to know how to find you. You know, uh, Cam and our friend uh, James Dixon also do a podcast uh, above and below. Um, I think that's important for people to to seek that out. You guys have done some some great material, some great content. Um, you know, you're you're interviewing guests and you're offering a lot of you know different tips and tricks. And you know, it's. Uh, it's been really inspiring to sort of be, you know, kind of in that space with you both. It's, it's been such a pleasure, you know, getting to know both of you and watching your, your progress is as far as socials, if you don't mind giving out your, um, all your tags and stuff right now, that'd be great. Yeah. You can find me at HTTP forward slash forward slash colon myspace dot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm like, you whoa, wait a minute. Me. I don't have that here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't do MySpace. Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm really just mostly active on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, I have my Instagram linked to my Facebook, but uh, Instagram, or I guess Facebook's the best way to reach me. Uh, so my Instagram handle is Camron. So there's no E. So C-A-M-R-O-N. And then Ayala, my last name, A-Y-A-L-A. -A. So yep. Camron Ayala. And uh, I'm pretty good about answering direct messages. You know, give me, you know, a couple of days or so if I don't get back to you immediately. But I do take those seriously. And I appreciate when you guys take the time to reach out because uh, we are in this together. And um, I'm actually right now, uh, as of yesterday, I officially applied to be a um, certified peer visitor with the Amputee Coalition. Nice. Uh, the criteria is you had to be at least one year post-amputation. Uh, so at that milestone hit, I said, yep, sign me up. Because I really do feel that it's so important to to pay it forward in whatever capacity you're comfortable with. Absolutely. Uh, I've gotten as far as I have because of the help of the community. And I want to be able to help as many people out and make their journeys, even if it's just a little bit easier. Yeah. And if you want to check out their podcast, it's also viewable on YouTube. Just search uh, above and below or Kamayala. All these things come up. His progress, you know, there's video blogs. There's all kinds of things for inspiration and education Cam, I, I, every time I, I have a visit with you, I feel as if there's so many more questions. I, I probably have like another 15 questions on here. And, you know, um, I, I, I have a feeling we're going to revisit again at some point. 
And I very much appreciate you coming on again and just sharing one year's worth of progress. I wish you luck, especially with the trip in September. I'm sure you'll be posting about it. So I'll be tuning in. This is Kama Ayala. My name is Rick Bonkowski. This is the Amped Up to 11 podcast. And I want to wish everyone health and happiness. And we will see you next time. Thanks, Cam. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye.